All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. Forget the flu game. That's weak sauce. We're talking about a COVID game here. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? This is what happens in my life. I delete Twitter yeah. and add COVID. <laughs> is that what happens? Is this, did Elon Musk do this? Yes. He's like, get your profile back on your phone. You'll be diseased until you do. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> all of those companies have me hook, line, and, and sinker, but that's all right. How you doing there, Denny? What's shaking? Not a whole lot. Um, I, I would like to thank Kevin Durant for allowing me to go on vacation this summer. Um, like a couple couple minutes of overtime there for oh, you? Oh, a little bit, a little bit. But more importantly, it's not about me today. Benny, how are you? Oh, you know, good enough. A little bit of COVID. I it's it's funny. It's like it's as I discussed with uh Jonah Mantranya from FAR the other day on going off track. Or like how many times I left for tour and it was almost like an inevitability I was gonna get sick once. Mm. You know, and there was never an idea of uh A really isolating. You know, you didn't like lick someone else, hmm. but you didn't really like isolate necessarily. And then you kind of just powered through it, you know? You sort of, like, would do your normal routine, but just, you know, slightly low energy or something. And uh, these days, the COVID, it's crazy, because it's just even when you're not that sick, you know, you got to, like, lock yourself in a room. And it just feels, it feels so strange. Like, why, like, like, like it's not necessary. You got to remind yourself that you're a highly infectious animal. <laughs> When you have it, you know, it's, you got to constantly remind yourself because I sit here. I'm like, I've been so much sicker than this, you know, like yeah. in my life and just kept going. Well, speaking of highly infectious animals, Kyrie Irving. No, no, no. Just kidding. We <laughs> will get. <laughs> Whoa. I wonder if that's going to get deleted out. <laughs> Definitely. No, no, no. I'm keeping it. Listen, yes. Kevin Durant has a media company that would hire me. Kyrie Irving, not so much. So you better, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't go Kyrie bashing too much now because he, he, I might be laying a, hanging a couple hats <laughs> on him by the beginning of the regular season still. Oh, I, he's our superstar now. Yeah. You know, I had three last year. Well, now I'm down to one who doesn't like to play. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Well, coming up in just a little bit, we'll get to the Kevin Durant reaction. We will get to uh, Benny's fandom and, and how he's doing with that mentally. Uh, we'll get to, we'll run through every single free agency thing that has happened. Uh, this is coming out on, on Friday. We wanted to wait for all, all of the deals to get out to get this to you. But first, let's get hit up a little This Day Music History, shall we? Mm-hmm. So on this day in 1979, the Sony Walkman debuts in Japan, first making music portable. Uh, you know, the co-founder, Masaru Ibuku, liked to listen to music on his business trips, but hated the uh, bulky electronics. And they actually designed the first Walkman, you know, a portable tape deck with two headphone jacks. And apparently the first one uh, had a built-in microphone with a hotline button for speaking over the music. Not bad for 79. I kind of wish my, you know, my 1987 <laughs> one had that. Uh, you know, it went for 150 bucks. Consumers went nuts. They sold 50,000 units in two months and they only had a 5,000 estimate. Then it got marketed throughout the world, the soundabout and the stowaway. The most interesting part of this, I thought, was that uh, with record prices on the rise and, and cassettes cheaper, within the next three years of the Walkman coming out, the sale of cassette tapes outranks that of vinyl for the first time. So that's pretty cool that the uh, the technology in this case really drove the uh, industry. And I did often wonder why people so quickly switched to cassettes over vinyl, because besides for the portable factor, there's really not a lot of other bonuses to listening to music on it. So I think once they figured out other portable methods, that's why the cassette you know, went the way of the widget. Yeah. So pretty interesting, though, yeah. this one. 
there's two things in like the recording production element that I feel like in my life I would love to do. I would mm-hmm. love to learn how, you know, like producing sound like the way they did it with like like the reels and everything like that. Cause dude, like right now, like 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 you see it. I just like plug in audition and like put up a couple of mics and I'm off and running and on my <laughs> way. So I'd like to actually learn how to do it. And then like cutting film, like cutting film, like for real, like none of this. Oh, I'm going to just put it in, in premiere and like put these two things together and it'll look pretty cool. So that's uh, who knows, maybe summer activities for your boy. Listen, as, as someone who I went to audio engineering school in the 90s. Yeah. So your boy was actually there getting taught how to splice quarter inch and two inch tape by aggressive German expats. <laughs> Wait, can you use expats in reverse? No, you can't, right? That's just for Americans. But anyway, oh, wow. uh, I could tell you, you know, it's it's, it's fun. Yeah. It loses its steam. I bet the people who used to edit stuff. Wouldn't. By the lion's share, we're pretty happy about digital technology for editing. All right, Benny. Well, on this day in 1956, Elvis Presley, and you know where I'm going with this as soon as I bring this up. Elvis Presley appeared on NBC TV's The Steve Allen Show and performed Hound Dog to a live Hound Dog. This was a big moment for Elvis. Uh, Steve, Olin, Steve Allen, excuse me, not a fan of rock and roll and was trying to bring down the fledgling medium in any which way he could. And what better way to do that than bring one of its brightest stars out there and kind of make a mockery of, of it. Elvis, none, none too pleased. And this was one of the uh, the first riffs between him and the colonel. But Elvis was too young to uh, kind of do anything about it. And why do you think I bring this up, Benny? Oh, I don't know. Are you still on hot on the dick of this Boz Lerman film? I, why is this about Boz? Okay, because while you out having a nice time, tears or fears, I was putting in the work for the listeners. Listeners, you don't have to see this movie. Listen, like you really don't have to see this movie. Good for you, Austin Butler. Austin Butler star, as I like, kind of predicted. But yeah. Boz Lerman, the first thirty minutes of this movie. Now I don't know if it's because I didn't eat dinner before going to see this, or if it's the movie itself. I was disoriented for the first thirty minutes. So. Okay. Okay. But good. I should go see this film. What's the what's the prognosis here? Listen, I would say Oh, that's that's a slow reaction. No, because it, it's tough. Honestly, I I, I left the theater mad. I, I left the theater <gasps> thinking it deserved better than Baz Lerman. Um uh, and my initial takeaway was like, man, imagine this as a Scorsese movie. It'd be just as long, but like a little bit better. Yeah, but Elvis would have been like sixty two years old. The whole time, the whole time. Well, yeah, like like looking back, probably played Scorsese by Robert De Niro. Scorsese would have tried to cast De Niro as Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> He's fine. He's aging really well. Use some of that Netflix money to like de-age yeah. De Niro to yeah, look little, like Elvis. Hey, a little CGI on Pesci, yeah. he could be. He could oh be my Elvis. gosh! Yeah. Oh, but listen, if 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 you love Elvis, the songs are there. Though it was almost a little bit borderline racist. Anytime Elvis was around I black people. It. Anytime in this movie Elvis was around black people, Boz Lerman put in hip hop. So I don't know how we feel about that. Oh, dude, I told you. It's like it's like listening to a white guy basketball podcast <laughs> and them doing can, can I put that out there? Yeah. Us? For all for all the <laughs> podcast hosts who are probably listening to our show right now. When you're quoting a black guy, please don't do a black guy accent. Who did this? It happens a lot. Oh, more no. Than you think. And you hear it come like like where they start to do it. And they kind of sound like, like, you know, the dude from Airplane or something real fast. <laughs> and then they like back down because they realize it's a bad idea. It happens more than you think. I've heard it a few times where I just got, listen, fellas, just stay away from that one. You know, just yeah. use your voice. You're fine. <laughs> Oh man! But I told you about that. Remember, I watched the preview. Yeah, and I saw that part in the church with like the soul review and this young white Elvis leading. I'm like, I'm like, man, European director, this go wrong real fast. And I guess I was right. You also before with, without even seeing it nailed the Tom Hanks thing. Weird. Oh yeah. Weird. 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 Okay. So. Okay. 
if you're a rocket historian that you know listens to this pod, you'd be into it. But if if you're just a casual, as the kids say, you could probably skip it. I'm, you listen. I, I after you went, uh, I was already not. <laughs> and you know it. how much I wanted this yeah, to be. Good. I know you I wanted, wanted it. To be good. You've, been, you've been advocating. You've been advocating. I had to make up for a Gaga. I had to make up for Gaga. So what was I gonna do? Attach my wagon. That's true. Well, Benny, speaking of attaching wagons, Kevin Durant has requested a trade out of Brooklyn. Uh, we had to get to this on the pod. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, a big topic of what we've been doing really since the inception that we started this podcast. But an era has come to an end. Uh, Kevin Durant looking for his options outside of uh, Barclays Center. So first up, Benny, like, what's your feeling? How how's it going for you as a? Well, it's Nets not fan? over yet. Okay, there hasn't been a trade. Just saying. Okay, but yeah, there hasn't. But you know, and we'll talk about that later. I want to deal with something first, which was like, just my emotional response, which I had, and it was the first time in my sports life, I think, that I really, really took offense to something like this. Mm-hmm. And I usually kind of don't care. And the interesting part this time was I was seeing it through my kids' eyes for the first time. KD is like my son's first basketball love. Mm. You know, it's like he, he came into consciousness with me as this like big Nets fan. And basically when they kind of started putting this era together, Went to a game last year, Nets, Knicks. Kevin Durant looked great. We bought a jersey. He loves rocking the jersey. It's like the only guy in the team where he's like, yeah, KD. We watch his highlights. He thinks the Slim Reaper is funny, like all that stuff, you know? And we got into it. And I thought it was safe, you know, because I'm smart about this stuff. I've been a sports fan a long time. I don't invest in gear until a guy is locked up. You know, like I'm not buying shirts for rookies. I'm not buying shirts for someone who's been there three months. I buy shirts for like, oh, I'm like, oh, this guy's got a four year contract. Yeah, buy the shirt. We're good for a while, you know, because that used to be safe. And I think that's one of the like most interesting things to come out of this is just like, mm, you know, I think the reason I had an emotional reaction here was because of like, personally just being totally blindsided i heard those reports after the season that he hadn't met with like top brass after and to me like as someone who doesn't follow you know doesn't know the the behind the scenes of the league it felt innocuous to me it felt like all right you just had a crazy season like sometimes it's like when you get home from tour you don't you don't call everybody you went on tour with like right away you actually don't for like a while you know, <laughs> and it's just like the natural reaction to things. So, so I did, I had an automatically immediate reaction where like, you know, I wasn't out in the street burning jerseys, but I felt that impulse of like, yo, fuck that dude. I had a bunch riding on this and it wasn't, it was like my son's like emotional investment. It was the fact that I re-upped for my fucking season tickets next year already. And I'm locked into this stuff. And the prices are based on the roster and the prices are currently based on the fact that Kevin Durant, one of the biggest superstars in the history of the NBA, is on the roster. So, like, all of a sudden, you get this feeling like, oh, you know, I put so much into this just as a normal person. And I feed this, uh, you know, Chinese billionaire my fucking financial scraps just so I can, like, have the gift of entering this really loud stadium and listen and watch these guys play a game. I feel kind of fucked over. I do. It's like one of those first times, like one of these things I can't totally see objectively because I'm, I'm personally uh, insulted by it. Um, So I, I really did have that reaction and I, I, I don't know if, am I in the minority because I'm like an actual Nets fan that I had this kind of reaction? I don't think you are, and I think that there's a bunch of reasons why you should be pissed because, okay, let's just look at it from you as the Nets fan. 
the move from Jersey to Brooklyn was hard. It was hard for everybody from New Jersey that's been rocking with you since Brendan Byrne Arena. It's been really hard. And then to go through the embarrassment of like KG, Paul Pierce, that whole trade, you you get rid of your future, which became Tatum and Brown for Boston. <laughs> yes. So, and Dame Lillard, I right, believe. Yeah. So you, you get rid of all of that. And then you're like, all right, we're building this young core. And then you give it all up again for KD, Kyrie, and Harden, and you get 46 games together. Yeah. That's betrayal, and you should you should get like a rebate on your taxes. You should get the moon and the stars because the Nets got you to go to Brooklyn. They got you in hook, line, and sinker, and then one guy's decision leads to all of this. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's been a long... And, and you're not even talking about the really lean year... Like, even harder, you know, because at first, right, when they made that trade, that big swing, you're like, you know what? It's kind of fun seeing Kevin Garnett as a net. You know, and, and like, you still had this, like, interesting thing. They won a playoff series. That was fun. Like, that very first year, they won. I think they beat Toronto in one playoff series. The really painful part after that was the Darren Williams extension, during like the Brooke Lopez years. You know what I mean? These were like pathetically bad basketball teams for a few years. I literally had stretches where I'm sitting there with like my wife and stuff and be like, oh yeah, yeah. This Chris Humphreys guy, like he really might put us over the top this year. Look at that jump shot. Oh, there's Reggie Evans. Look, he has 13 rebounds. Like we're really gonna do good. This is what we were hanging our hat on, you know? And 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 then there was this like you know, Sean Marks comes in, right? And you like, you pull Joe Harris off the scrap heap. All of a sudden, this is this is like this great value player again. You reclaim Spencer Dinwiddie. You draft Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. You have D'Lo still. You kind of have this like interesting thing brewing and Atkinson and everybody's playing hard. And like, that felt really good, man. And that is like... This is what always is boggling me about the way things are working in the NBA right now is it was fairly well known at the time that that nice sauce of things that the Nets put together was the reason Katie and Kyrie were interested in coming in the first place. It wasn't just Brooklyn, like with an empty palette. It was that Brooklyn had good management and was building something cool. And then they came in and effectively like took away the ability for the GM to do exactly what attracted them there in the first place. And then you go ahead and, and push for the Harden deal. And, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, Jesus, like, you know, we owe Houston a swap or a pick over the next five drafts, five. How much Harden did we get? You know, and this was literally like being pushed by a guy who just got, who just asked out. So, I mean, this even begs the bigger question at this point, like, and I think you mentioned it on text, did Kevin Durant, like, did he kill player empowerment? Is he single-handedly killing player empowerment? You know, that's something that I've been mulling over the, the past few days with this because Nick Friedle, great writer for ESPN, has covered a, a lot of teams, said that this past year's Nets was one of the worst locker rooms he's ever been around. Right. Said that that press conference with Kyrie Irving where he's like, uh, Joe Sy, Sean Marks, me and Kevin Durant are running the franchise. <laughs> yeah. I think it was from that moment on where where it got very real that this was all going to break up. And if, listen, if there's one thing we've talked on, on this podcast about, whether it be sports, music, entertainment business billionaires do not get put in a corner especially if you're believing Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant they may want to be billionaires and may look at themselves as such but at, at, at the end of the day they do not move the world contrary to what Kevin Durant thinks he does not rule economies he does not rule any sort of like he cannot impact the stock market at least yet LeBron maybe well, Kevin Durant well, no all right so that being said you know one of the things that the mental exercise I go through through this is like, okay, I don't have a choice. Kevin Durant has four years, which brings back mega value. What's going to come back for this? Okay, Might be something cool. Might be something I like. Like, let me think about this. 
And the more and more I go out and explore these options, besides for some Suns packages, which, you know, seem the most likely destination based on a couple, based on the packages themselves and the grumblings of where he would like to go. But seriously, what what's stopping the Nets from not trading him? From like, just from just if keeping they him? don't get the right package, why they're just like, hey, like you're signed for four years, like you're 34 I mean, years old. Are you really gonna like sit out this season always, if we yeah. don't trade you? Like, are you gonna do that now, or can you, you know, play for a while? Maybe figure this out. You still have Kyrie. You still have Simmons. We still got. You know, Patty Mills and Claxton just re-signed. You still got Joe Harris and Seth Curry and Cam Thomas, who was like your boy last year. Like, you, you know, you want to just like give this a shot. We didn't get the right package for you. And, you know, that's where I'm like, if, if you want this kind of stuff to end, I think that's sort of where it has to end is like, oh, like, fuck you. You're unhappy. Okay. Well, there's nothing out there for you. And and you kind of got to play through this because you made this bed. Now, you know, you kind of got to lie on it. Um, I know that can backfire. Like the, all of a sudden you can get like a John Wall situation or something, yeah. and, you know, where guys are sitting out for a year or two. But you really think Kevin Durant's going to do that at his age? I don't know. So I do feel like the Nets have a little leverage here to like almost come up with their own power play in a certain way and and try to maybe like for some reason I don't I don't think this is a done deal. And I look at all these like maxes being tossed around the league, and and you know we can talk about that in a little bit. Some of these maxes are really ugly to look at for the players I'm looking at, and and it doesn't to me like this package, this magical Kevin Durant package doesn't seem out there. So you know I, I'm still reserving. I mean, maybe not some level of hope because as a fan, I, I'm sick of this parody, you know, like like the whole Kevin Durant was never a parody this whole time because anytime he was healthy, you knew what you were getting from him. But, you know, the idea that like, OK, this era is over. Let's get the fuck past it as quickly as possible. Like there is a part of me that wants to do that. Like, let me just go convince myself that, you know, Kale Bridges can turn into you know, some version of him or something like, let's move on. But I don't think this is a done deal. I think, I think there's, you know, Kyrie is in like they're in, I don't see the packages. So like, I don't know, still might be the team. Who knows? Man, in terms of a legacy play, you know, we've, we've, we've spent that entire time of player empowerment building up and building up. Um, and if, if Kevin Durant sits out the season, and sure. sits out going forward. He already has the bum legacy from going to Golden yeah. State and then leaving that and wanting to do his own team, and it failed. You know, sometimes you go out on your own, and it, it fails and, and stuff like that. But I can't imagine the... I, I don't think we've ever quite seen a career like that. If he, you know, just sits out the rest of his career and then... Once he does that, control goes completely back to the owners, like 100%, which is very much like what you see in, like, baseball. And then that gets dicey the other way. So make no mistake, nobody's winning here, especially Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like a good play to me, man. Um, so, yeah, that's the Kevin Durant situation. But What a bummer. I know. What a bummer. <laughs> But, you know, there are some interesting packages, and we've talked about this a, a little bit on text. Yeah, Obviously, he stated that he wants to go to uh, Phoenix or Miami, players that the Nets can't trade for with Ben Simmons still on the roster. The Nets cannot trade for Andrew Wiggins. They can't trade for Joel Embiid. They can't trade for Devin Booker. They can't trade for Carl Anthony Towns, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Trey Young, Shea Gill, just Alexander, Luka Doncic, and Michael Porter Jr. So I thought Denver would have been an interesting option there, but they're out, uh, which moves up up across the border. Toronto, if you're going to blow this whole thing up, there's some nice pieces up there in, in Toronto that could kind of build this thing back up for you guys. I just, again, like, you know, I think if you're the Nets and Toronto's calling you about Kevin Durant, there is no deal without Scotty Barnes. Yeah. And why would Toronto do that? Like, because it's Kevin Durant, and you have a chance to win right uh, now. I know, man, but like, 
this is exactly what I'm talking about is like, you're literally asking another team to make like the same exact mistake everybody made and is now paying for. So it's like, so, so you're literally asking, Hey, excuse me. Are you interested in Kevin Durant who just destroyed my team for your by far best young franchise player? No, why not? I mean, like seriously, that when you're another team listening to these offers, like there's everybody's got to be on pause about this shit a little bit, you know, like, like, uh, this is just, I mean, literally Bradley Beal just took a ridiculous extension. The fact that that guy's worth a quarter of a billion dollars is is beyond my fucking, (laughs) you know, scale of understanding anyway. And apparently he just took this deal as like, okay, I'll take it now and then ask for my trade. So I'll get my deal from them and then I'll go wherever I want and someone else can pay it. Like, like this is to the point now where like, I I think we're going to, we're going to start seeing like the, like this is going to get CBA out of the league. Like, like what's happening right now, because it is, you know, you're losing this, this, this idea of, of quality because of it. And even look at the last, group of uh champions that we've had you know like the warriors and the bucks specifically you know who could be the two best teams going into the league next year as well are teams that did not build this way you know and and i think everybody's on high alert about that right now so to wrap this up let's 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 look at kevin durant's preferred destination uh you started talking yourself into whatever the suns can can give back to you uh, but more importantly, the more macro question, does Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and KD really win a championship? Heck, not even win a championship. Does it even get you out of the West? I don't think so. I, You know, like the amount of things that have to break right yeah. for that team to do that is is kind of exceptional. It is, you know, especially if you're now giving up Bridges and Aiton and you're, you know, leaning on... Bismack Biombo and Cam Johnson and you know uh, Landry Shamit for for like big time minutes because Phoenix doesn't have a lot of depth. I mean, there might be some other some other uh, uh, trades in play, but you know that's a it's an excellent big three and really interesting on paper. But at Chris Paul's age and his inability to get through a season and katie's history and yeah no it's it's sketchy as hell and and devin booker's never been able to get over the top so i I certainly don't think it's a sure thing for phoenix at all well we've been talking about potential trades as we were talking about kevin durant a trade just went down rudy gobert (gasps) the newest member of the minnesota timberwolves wow espn is reporting um, that the Jazz are landing four Minnesota first-round picks, a 2022 first-round picks, uh, and 2022 first-round pick Walker Kessler in the deal. Uh, Minnesota is sending 23, 25, 27 picks unprotected and a top five protected 2029. 20, Tim Conley making moves. He goes out the brand new president of basketball ops for the Timberwolves. Uh, his first order of business, he gets Kyle Anderson, uh, signs him. Then he goes and gets Rudy Gobert. I mean, yeah, they gave up a, a bunch of picks, but they kind of kept their core together, which, oh, wait, excuse me. No, there's more, too. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a monster so, package. But, We're talking, this is Malik Beasley, Pat Beverly, yeah. who was like the soul of the team yeah. last year, Jared Vanderbilt, who was their starting power forward, their first round pick Walker Kessler and four first round picks to yeah. the Jazz. That is a That's huge quite the haul for yeah. Rudy Gobert. Wow. The, the, now the the question when I look at, at this is be like, this is great for Min, Minnesota, and I'm trying to compete out west for Utah. And this may have been why they traded uh, Royce O'Neal because maybe Utah has has their has their own thing happening, mm. but. Donovan Mitchell, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, a guy who I, I really like defensively, and these four first-round picks, man. I don't know where this team is, and I think Donovan's at, at the point where he wants to be competing for a top, top, top four spot. So initial impressions of this trade, Benny Horowitz. I mean, 
I'm a little thrown off by how big the hall is for Gobert. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And I didn't expect a rim protector. Like, I mean, again, an elite rim protector and kind of like the sort of, uh, I feel like Utah was able to hold, you know, Connolly's feet to the fire because of this sort of, I don't know. I, I think any basketball fan looks at that and goes like, Hmm, what would be like the perfect thing for Carl Towns to play off of? And it's kind of like Rudy Gobert, yeah. you know, like, like it's sort of like a very, very interesting and enticing uh, mixture there. But there's one thing that like just pops into my head quickly Mm-hmm. Which was like Carl Towns has a history of like being a, maybe a little sensitive, maybe, and like not always like getting on with people in in that kind of way, like aggressive people. And Rudy Gobert kind of seems like a dick, doesn't he? A little bit, a tiny bit. Yeah. So like, so I automatically am like, I'm very intrigued by the actual basketball fit, but I think that Hall. And how much they gave up of like, you know, we've seen this so many times before, like Beverly and Vanderbilt were a very, very crucial element to the reason that T-Wolves had any success last year. I'm not saying these guys like this, like make or break a team, but the automatic chemistry stuff. um, I don't know. This, this honestly, this trade scares me. I'm, I'm interested. I'm glad it happened and I'm curious to the fit, but this this is a little a little scary for Minnesota, I think, especially with the way they were building up. And I don't know if this is the swing you take, you know? Well, so you have to assume that, and, and this is just spitballing off the top of my head, haven't looked at, at the roster or anything like that, but their starting five is going to be Ant-Man, D'Angelo, <laughs> Russell, Cat, Slowbear. And, and and is Kyle Anderson like rounding out your starting yeah, five? I mean, that's decent. At the three there, you're gonna yeah. have to start Torian Prince or yeah. Kyle Anderson, I guess. Now, um, you know they drafted Wendell Moore. You don't know yeah. what's coming out of him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's like it's a little thin there. It's a little thin. Yeah. Like I don't know how much you're expecting out of Jalen Noel there. <laughs> but again, like. This is early in the uh, the process here, and maybe yeah. they have another move to thicken up the roster. Well, let's keep it on the news that happened on Friday. Uh, the Celtics make a big trade. They grab Malcolm Brogdon. The Pacers get Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, Nick Stauskas, uh, Juwan Morgan, uh, 23 first-round pick. And, uh, oh, yeah, Malik Fitz is also in there, too. But... Uh, Heck of a deal by Brad Stevens showing uh, he's, make, he's made great personnel decisions, uh, really made some great trades last year uh, to get them to the NBA Finals uh, with this trade, you know, adding Brogdon. Uh, Celtics, favorites in the East? Yeah, I mean, it could be. Like, uh, you know, realistically, like if Robert Williams is healthy, you know, they were, they were only like one ball-handling perimeter shooting guard away from uh from what they needed so yeah like on paper this this makes perfect sense for boston and i think at the very least like they didn't give up uh you know neesmith is still an interesting player you don't know exactly what he's going to turn into but no reason to to hang on to him you you expect you're going to have a low first round pick next year regardless because you know the celtics are so good so i don't think they gave up much and uh i think it's a great swing like a really you know smart chill move by brad stevens he's starting to get a reputation here just has it's been a busy off season so far and he's he's made one just very wise move which is you know in character these days I love him in Ime's offense. I, I think that that's going to be really awesome. And the depth there, because this probably moves uh, Al Horford to the bench, which him coming off the bench few next year, that, that's an incredible bench as well. So as of right now, Boston has to be the team that you're uh, picking to get back t- to the finals. So, I mean, I, you know, I love how you just ignore your own team all the time. Oh. But... <laughs> You know, well, you want like, me to ignore a guy who's been injured, and we will I'm get. I'm certainly the- not willing on like the Friday after free agency starts to, to declare Boston over this 
This beastly Milwaukee team oh. added Joe Ingles. Come on. I love Joe Ingles. All right. Well, then let's get to this, shall we? Let me uh, scroll down my little Rolodex here. The Milwaukee Bucks signed Joe Ingles. Uh, one year, $6.5 million deal. This in addition to uh, signing Bobby Portis to a four-year, $49 million. Uh, somehow, $49 million team-friendly. Uh, that math is always interesting to me. <laughs> And they also sign Wes Matthews. They get Javon Carter back. So a bunch happening for Milwaukee. Listen, I like it. Uh, Joe Ingles is is going to start the season injured, but I think by the time you get to the playoffs, it's going to be a, a interesting five. Uh, Drew, Chris, Giannis, Brooke, and and Joe Joe Ingles could be your crunch time five in the playoffs. I'm completely comfortable with that. Oh no, I think this is great, and I think Bobby Portis is turning into one of those like. There are like 31 teams in the league I don't want to see Bobby Portis on. <laughs> but it just works on the Bucks for some yeah. reason. You know, it's like one of those situations. Like, like you never wanted to take Dennis Rodman away from Phil Jackson. And then it just, just all fell apart when it did. Like, I think it's one of those deals. Like, you, like you gotta, you got, I, maybe it's Giannis, maybe it's something. But Portis, like the, the city loves him. They mm. love his like hyper energy <laughs> and they love that shit. So it's like the safest, coolest place for him. And it was really smart to bring him back. And then I think bringing back like Javon Carter is smart. He was a good playoff piece and they got Beauchamp and, you know, late in the draft. Um, I don't know. I think the Bucks, you know, with a healthy Middleton here, you got to you got to talk about, too. Um, and then Joe Ingles like popping in in the middle of the season. It's kind of a ready made playoff player and and. Uh, a piece they could really use can defend he's all over the place he's sort of the guy like you know it would be good for milwaukee to have someone to just go out there and piss off the other team for yeah. 15 minutes and take the heat off everybody else you know like joe Ingles has that keen way of like uh, you know, you're watching a game and you're like, Jesus, Joe Ingles is everywhere and he's annoying the fuck out of everyone. And then you look at the box score and he's got like three points, two rebounds. You're like, oh, he's really hasn't done much, but he's a, a presence and that's important in those big series. So I think it's a nice ad. Considering the other options at uh, looking at for kind of a sharpshooter was like Gary Harris. This is like an incredible get. All right, so let's get into Rob Palenka trying to turn some of this Crypto.com money into something while they still got Crypto.com money. Uh, Lonnie Walker gets bought out by the San Antonio Spurs. He signs a one-year, $6.5 million deal with the Lakers. They also go on to sign Troy Brown, uh, my guy Juan Toscano Anderson, and Damian Jones. This after they lose Malik Monk to the Sacramento Kings. So... I think kind of a net neutral free agency thus far for the Lakers, right? Uh, yeah, borderline stupid. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they they bought their way into the draft and drafted a guy, Christie, that honestly I'm not personally I wasn't too high on. And, and then, you know, they have a chance with a few different types of signings. They have a chance to kind of get creative. Uh, and instead, I just see like all these little deals being thrown out at marginal players who aren't going to move the needle like much at all. Um, so I'm not really sure what to make of it. I thought they wanted to like focus on defense and I don't know what, what Lonnie Walker is going to do for that. And that was your mid-level money. Like that was the six and a half million that could have gone to any, any number of different players. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The only one that, I mean, I like like Damian James and, uh, and want Toscano Anderson as like both good complementary pieces on that team. James can stretch or Jones can stretch a little bit. And, you know, Toscano Anderson could defend a little bit. He didn't even play in the playoffs though. So no, I think this is a uh, Lakers are fucking up again. It seems. Yeah. I mean, they really have nowhere to go. Like they're truly head back themselves in, into the corner and you've started yeah, the teams, to, you know, good. I gotta say like, and that's where I learned something from Sean Marks. Like, yeah good ownership who knows they're swimming comes up with like a couple tricky things here and there that kind of like gets you out of water, you know? And this is kind of like the way, like 
like me managing like an NBA live team would look, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, I'm like, yo, use, don't you have somebody over there who does like cool math stuff and work out a three way or dump the salary or something. Cause like the way you're doing this seems awfully amateur, you know, like, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me there. What's going on in Lakers land. I'm sure sure lebron is not happy genie bus's answer to all of this is playing well with just a mom and pop shop next yeah. to all of these tech billionaires it's like give me a break you're like lakers come on yeah yeah um yeah i mean poor darvin ham you know it's like uh, he'll be fine it's like hey 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 you can do something different with russell westbrook right yeah. cool like everything will be fine <laughs> Yikes. He's a player's coach. He speaks yeah. He speaks the language. Yikes. Yikes. Um, Yikes. Let's talk about what's happening in Sacramento. Uh, oh, so My new favorite team, you mean? Oh, your brand new favorite team. So as we said, they got Malik Monk. They landed Kevin Herter in a trade uh, with the Hawks. Uh, the Kings get Kevin Herter, and the Hawks get Justin Holiday, Mo, Hawk, Mo Harkless, 24 lottery protected. Um, and pick becomes top 12 protected in 25 and a top 10 protected in 26. So uh, King's doing a lot. Uh, they've kind of put my guy Dante out to free agency. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of coming into their own. They got a lot of white guys, a lot of white guys in Sacramento. But uh, <laughs> it may work for them. Hey, have you ever been to Sacramento? No, I haven't. But I, 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 I assume it matches the demographic. Listen, the the... The 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 mid Northern California crowd. Let's just say that I think they would like it. Okay, it's the the place that that took in Vlade Divac and Peja Stojakovic <laughs> with open arms. But really, um, you know, I don't walk away from a Kings off season, uh, you know, pleased very often. Yeah. Maybe never. Um, I was in like the minority of people who you know I don't pay too much attention to the mock drafts and I watch some college basketball and, you know, there was one player that really stood out to me last year as someone where I was like, wow, this is someone you could just plug onto an NBA team right now and they'll be fine. And that was Keegan Murray. Like that hmm. dude's ready to go, man. And I know Jaden Ivey's, he could be a really, really phenomenal player and he's such a great athlete that, you know, the sky's the limit. And I think Detroit was more than happy to get him. But when you're showing me a starting five of De'Aaron Fox, Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, DeMontis Sabonis, and then you have a bench with Davion Mitchell and Malik Monk, Trey Lyles, Jeremy Lamb, you know, like it, it's got some, some interesting pieces to it. And at least Mike Brown isn't just getting sent out to uh to fucking a boat to sink, you know, like he actually has a fighting chance of putting a little, little playoff run and a little roster together with this team. So I'm actually kind of stoked on the Kings. If Mike Brown and this roster can break the longest playoff drought in NBA history, oh no, not NBA history, but right now they have the longest playoff drought, that would be quite the deal. And you got to save him as long as possible. Unfortunately, Kings won't do that because Kings always going to Kings. Somehow they're going to mess this up. I don't know. We might <laughs> we might be talking. I'm not I'm not saying they'll definitely make the playoffs, but they'll yeah. they'll be sniffing the play in at least. Okay. All right. All right, Ben. Let's get to some of these big extensions that we talked about. Um, big, just big money. Uh, Zion Williamson's get, getting five years, two hundred thirty-one million dollars to stay with the Pelicans. Zach Levine, five years, two hundred fifteen million. Let's see who else we got in here that got a big deal. Brett Bradley Beal, as we said quarter billion as as well some big time extensions this offseason let's just see what oh uh Jokic got five years 270 Great. booker got four years 224 um cat got four years 224 as we said ja five 193 uh just crazy money oh and then we didn't even talk uh, i assume we'll get to the knicks at some point during this conversation but that's not so much an, an extension as a uh as a, a cry for help, but of the extended players, uh, which do you think will have which contract will age the best, like a fine wine? I'm liking this John Moran extension. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's like the real benefit to you know pre-extending a player on their rookie contracts is like, you know, I'm looking at these deals and you're seeing 
you know, Carl Towns and Bradley Beals of the world who in three or four years are going to be paid like literally, you know, $55 million a season, yeah, which is, you know, just absurd. So uh, I look at like a John Morant extension and I think that one's huge. I think the Jokic one, I mean, we all expected them to offer it. We all expected him to accept it. But I like the kind of like all in nature of like, I'm Jokic. This is my team. Everything rests on me here. You know, like I think like uh, psychologically and spiritually, that's like a good thing for that team. And that next year with some health, you know, that contract, I think it helps the situation to keep Denver a great team for a while. Um, so those would be my favorites, I think, so far. Yeah, I, I really like Denver. Um, obviously, like I, I thought that they have a, a, a <clears throat> ton of great trade assets like we talked about before. But they can get this together, stay healthy, get ev- everyone together. I mean, granted, it, it was the bubble, but when Murray was at his peak, that team looked pretty unbeatable. Yeah, I think we just the biggest issue now is like just this stay healthy. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. thing, um, you know, like that. That kid is playing. That's such a difference maker. And at this point, I, I don't know if we know if we're dealing with like uh, Brandon Roy or or you know someone who got it together. Like yeah. it just, I've seen so little out of him. And it was the same thing when he was coming into the draft. You know, like he had like back surgeries, many of them, and he's got all the like those are some serious problems that like sometimes. You know, it's not like a bone spur or something like it's it's something that so like we were talking about on text, it's sad. And I think you had to extend him just based on his talent. But Porter Jr. to me is like a giant question mark. The biggest thing the Nuggets have done is add Bruce Brown. Come on. Like like that is the perfect, perfect floating piece for Nikola Jokic to play with. Watch Bruce Brown thrive in Denver. I hope he's going to be so high. Let's kind of wind things down here. Um, we got two teams to talk about. Two, uh, one, one contender, one wants to be a, a contender. Let's let's talk about the Knicks real quick. Jalen Brunson, four year, hundred four million dollar deal with the Knicks. Now you hear hundred four million dollars for Jalen Brunson, you're like, wow, that is a ton of money. Uh, but twenty five million a, a year. Uh, that's not even a top 10 point guard salary. Uh, Brunson, a guy who can really bring culture to the Knicks who, who desperately need it. Pair him with R.J. Barrett, and I think that they got some nice things going there. So, Benny, what do you make of Jalen Brunson? Four years, $104 million with the Knicks. Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, uh, Dallas was going to pay him a certain amount of money between, you know, some some basic, like, just this is how much guys cost. It's an inflated market. And the fact that you want to get them off this other team who still wants them, this was how much it cost. And I was, uh, my brother, big Knicks fan, was trying to talk him off a ledge when the Knicks started making these trades and opening cap room for Jalen Brunson. It was like, you know, I think the common theme in Knicks land was like, what is he fucking LeBron James? Like, why are we doing all this for Jalen Brunson? You know, it doesn't seem to make sense. And, you know, I'm like, listen, on paper, at this age, you know, name me like like this is probably the the 10th point guard in the league that you would want. Yeah. You know, like eighth, 10th, like if you start putting everybody on a list and that costs this much money. So like uh, they had the money. It's a perfect fit. He's a baller. He's going to be out there all the time. He's got this beautiful little mid-range game and floater game and that those things improve well over time. So I'm really fine. I am actually quite liking the, uh, the Knicks off season. Um, I think freeing up the room to bring back Mitchell Robinson four years, 60 million is, is smart. And then they had one of the sneakier uh, under the radar signings of this whole free agency period, which is Isaiah Hartenstein, who, you know, got really, really nice minutes with the Clippers last year. I'm surprised they didn't bring him back because he's a useful player who has some elements to his game where there's real upside, like uh, a great defender, really nice passer for his size. And they got him on a two-year, $16 million deal. 
So I think that's really good. You get the jumps out of, you know, quickly topping, getting more time. Grimes looked good last year. I, I think the Knicks are had a nice offseason. I'm actually excited to see what they look like. So the thing with Brunson that kind of concerns me, like the reason why he worked in the Dallas offense is they had a bunch of, of, of shooters. His game is more slash, get in there, hit the mid-range shot, right? With with the Knicks, there's, there's a little bit more congestion down low, so it's going to be interesting to see how those things uh, work. Jason Kidd's offense is a heck of a lot di- different. Yeah. They uh, might be a painfully slow offensive yeah. team next year. There's definitely a chance of that. But I think the trick to the Knicks, and it can actually work for Thibodeau, is they're going to have to be a really, really strong defensive team. And with the pieces they have, they have a chance. But I think the Knicks next year will get killed if they have to run. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they have to get out in the breaks and they have to do that stuff, I think they're going to have a hard time. So that's where I'm like, you play great defense and you keep this offense in the half court. I think the Knicks have a good chance of being pretty good. And then you play with Julius Randle uh, till about the trade deadline, flip him for something, and you're off and moving to your future. Yeah, that too. Um, let's... Listen, you know what the Knicks have right now? They have a good, fluid roster, and they have a lot of flexibility, and they have some, like, which is just like, when's the last time you could say that about the Knicks? So yeah. I think they actually did a nice job. Uh, then just finally, we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, James Harden, Sixers, Dalmore, Sixers, uh, sign PJ Tucker three years, three thirty-three million dollars, which once again sounds like a, a lot of money, but eleven million dollars a year for what PJ gives you. Uh, Daniel House two years, eight point five million. Traveling Queen uh, two <laughs> years, three point three million dollars. That's not how you say his name at all, is it? I have no idea. <laughs> I think you might be the first person I've heard try to say it, but yeah, I hate this PJ Tucker thing. It's like the exact last person I want to see on Philly right now. Yeah. Um, but it's got a combustible nature to it too, oh, yeah. because I like the fact that like somebody like PJ Tucker is going to be around James Harden more. And that could have an interesting effect one way or the other. You know what I mean? Like he could motivate James <laughs> Harden for a while and that's going to suck to watch. But you know, Tucker's one of those people who's not going to let anybody take time off not let anybody not hear about it so you know maybe their time in houston together prepares james for that maybe it's part of maury's plan bringing the old crew together but you know guy like pj tucker i hate playing against um so the fact that philly has him and then i think underrated move for the sixers was you know late in the draft they made a traded the pick they got from the Nets or kept from the Nets uh, in, and turned it into DeAnthony Melton, who's, you know, really nice reserve guard who didn't get a lot of minutes in Memphis, not as much as he deserved. And he can really defend. He makes a lot of stuff happen out there. So I think, uh, yeah, I think Philly got a little bit better, but now you're hearing these Tobias Harris rumors, like he, he may be on the move. Um, I don't know. It's a tough time for me to, to talk about Philly right now, yeah. Denny, because I know. You know, as I watch, you know, Boston and Milwaukee and Philly and all these teams, you know, really start to shape out their rosters and, the, you know, and then we got the Nets. No, <laughs> you're going to have DeAndre eight and it's going to be awesome. Don't worry yeah, about good. it. But uh, good, good, good. give me just as we wrap up here, uh, one player and one team that have thus far won free agency. Uh, well, I'm not going to say one, but I think... I love Gary Payton Mm. to the Portland Trailblazers back home, played at Oregon State, grew up around Seattle with his dad a lot of the time. True Pacific Northwest hero (laughs) and the Pacific Northwesterners really stay behind their own. But I love the fit because, you know, Lillard going to be back healthy. Simons is, you know, a little skinny and. You know, the, if Shane and Sharp, you don't know what that's going to look like for a long time. And if there's something you need on that team, it's just, you know, a glue defender and a lockdown guy. And honestly, I'm looking at this Blazers roster after time and I'm seeing Dame Lillard now and Josh Hart, Simons, Jeremy Grant, Nurkic is locked up. You still got Nasir Little. You, still, you know, I'm actually like, uh, you know, Shane and Sharp, is a very interesting player um 
So I'm actually like kind of, uh, kind of, ex- I don't think Portland like won the off season, but I'm, I think with what they had to work with in the Willard situation and getting off McCollum and stuff, I think they've done quite a good job in a short time of sort of re reorganizing this roster to give Lillard another chance to cracking through in the playoffs. I really like Dallas getting JaVale McGee. It, it, he's the kind of guy that they've been searching for. I mean, listen, when you know when they first had JaVale McGee, he hadn't had the Warriors experience yet. He had he hadn't learned how to be a man yet. Now he comes <laughs> back, he gets his money, um, and and he can provide a, a, a little bit of, of culture, which I think that they desperately need down there. Uh, Seven million a year o- over three years, but yeah, you know, like we've seen Dallas try to get this guy in like Willie Cauley Stein, you know, the, that that like big four five like wing guy out uh, on the wing, so. Love this for Dallas. Will be interesting to see how it works with Luca. Yeah, no, I think that's a fun one. Dallas in general is going to be uh, an interesting piece next year. But yeah, they needed someone who could just run around and take floaters from Luca and protect the rim a little. He makes a lot of money though. Yeah, why is it, he makes way more money than he used to? When did that happen? I mean, cap spike. Oh, cap. $11 million cap spike this year. So, All right. What are your least favorite? Oh, my least favorite? Your least favorite signings, trades, extensions so far. I got to say, you know, I really did not like Tyus Jones going back to Memphis. Oh. Because... It's good for Memphis. It's not good for Tyus Jones. I I, I think mm. we like like he was with Minnesota last year. It, it really worked. If Ja is now just an injury prone guy, and we're just gonna have to deal with this, he's a great option to have. I mean, I, I think it's two years thirty, so he's getting his, his money. But uh, what's the upside for Tyus Jones here? So I, I think he kind of mm. did himself a, a a disservice by going back to what's familiar. I don't know. I think. I think it's a pretty smart move. I think Tyus Jones made like a Kenny Atkinson move. Hmm. You know, <laughs> he's like, he's like, should I go out there and try to start on another team and play 35 minutes and get fucking slammed because I'm so <laughs> little? He's like, er, do I stay in this awesome team where everybody's totally ramped hmm. up and best friends and I play behind John ja Morant? I pop in for like 20 minutes a game and I look real cool. I still made 15 million bucks. <laughs> kind of a nice situation yeah. i don't know if tyus jones is someone who should make that jump maybe he's just smart maybe I, he knows how to love his life maybe you know? he does i was gonna say that the heat were also a big loser paying 11 million dollars for victor oladipo yeah, that's a little strange but that's just a a move for later down the that's road that's a trade chip yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. easy so, trade chip same with deadman yeah he won both one-year deals i gotta tell you what my least favorite is yeah, here please do marvin bagley oh yeah Three years, thirty-seven million. What, Detroit? <laughs> your little reclamation project? Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Bagley looks so strange for so many years, and then he put together like, I don't think that good like month in Detroit he put together earned him that kind of legs on this team. And and quickly like Detroit, I was like, you know, I liked the way they were filling out their roster at first. Even I'm like, you know what? Alec Burks and guys like that, those are nice little pieces to have on a young team who's, you know, not expecting the win. Uh, but I have a feeling that Marvin Bagley one's going to blow up in their face. I don't like that. And then I saw this Gary Harris extension. He got like, to, who was who was after Gary Harris that they had to pay him like two years, $25 million on this young rebuilding team i really didn't understand that one either i mean once again you know last time the cap spike was a, a lot more but we got another one this year that's how gary harris is just going to end up on this ridiculous deal that we're going to look at as like oh that's kind of a problem when they don't have room in the future that's how bradley beale just made a quarter <laughs> of a billion dollars let denny let me ask yeah. you something what has anybody added up how much all these max contracts are together what are we up to? Like three, four billion dollars, something like that. It's gotta be o- over three. Just spitballing in my head, it's gotta be close to that. So you know, I see this kind of money getting tossed around, and I'm like, how is there just like not the coolest shit? <laughs> I feel like like I've been watching sports so long now, right? Like if anybody ever gave me two hundred fifty million dollars, because I'm like a bit of a fucking asshole, right? Like. I would do something ridiculous with that money. Real stupid, real fun. 
then some things that also helped, you know, but like that money is just not like sitting around and no. going to like some house after all these years of watching sports and watching these people make hundreds of millions of dollars. I thought I'd see more fun stuff floating around the world that these people would do with their money, you know, like, 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 Oh, I'm just driving by Here's the, the Torian Prince fucking <laughs> water park. You know, there's like, there's the, the, Oh, Bradley Beal. He started an airline. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like it should expand out more. I want to see, I want to see like Carl Towns get it. They, they need to follow the Shaq model, you know? Yeah. What is Shaq on? 155 guys? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Playing Wizards getting in contact with the show. You can email us at the tuneup podcast, gmail.com. Two P's in there. If you want to follow us on all the social platforms, it is at the tuneup HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the YouTube, rate, review on all of your podcasting platforms. Uh, if you want to follow the big man, he's at Benny Horowitz, one number one in your mind, number one in your heart. Number one off Twitter. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Um, Benny, you got anything else? Oh, these picks. Unprotected picks for Rudy Gobert. Ooh, as if he hasn't been infected enough, you know? <laughs> the show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to The Tune-Up. <laughs>